the keys are to the glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers Cutback Podcast time. What is up, everybody? I'm excited for this. A, a live Q&A. We're going to really get into it. And Power of Fitness coming strong already with it's time to audit the Rams. Got to audit them. You got, you got to audit them, Ant. $50 yeah. million dollars for Bobby Wagner. Five years, $10 million, $10 million a season. Yeah. I don't like it. This is like the worst thing that could have happened. Is it though? I mean, they just signed a player that an aging player to a five year deal. It's true. Uh, we we know but that they most... did just, but they did just drastically upgrade their linebacker room. Yeah, no, they did and drastically. You know who they don't have? Von Miller. So they don't have an edge rush. True. Uh, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna pick between them having Von Miller and them having Bobby Wagner, they can have Bobby Wagner every single day of the week, twice on Sunday. Twice on Sunday. Uh, yeah, that's smart. Yeah. That's that's why the 49ers do things like make sure they have Kyle Juszczyk locked up. Oh, that's true, yeah. Yeah, Kyle Juszczyk plus Bobby Wagner equal what? Running game going for the 49ers. Yeah, it should. It should should be that. A big booze from from Shane. uh, Arizona 49ers empire there. And uh, look, this is the interesting situation in time for the 49ers. Um, You know, we got got people who are getting a little antsy, getting getting a little anxious. Wondering, you know, when the Niners are going to do anything. Is this a Super Bowl roster or is it not? Um, and, and look, you have a, a team that's trying to figure out what they're going to do in terms of cap space. And in all honesty, it looks like there's full attention towards the draft. I saw also that they reached out and talked to recently Mike Harley out of Miami, a wide receiver who I'm now going to have to watch more tape on because I haven't watched barely any of them. Oh, so, you pay attention to they actually reach out to. Say that again? You, you pay attention to they actually reach well, out Well, I mean, to. I might as well look because it means something. No, it don't. You don't think it means anything? Mike McGlinchey got talked to for five minutes at the Combine. True. And they drafted him in the first round. True. Uh, the reports of who they talk to a lot of times are to skew what people's opinions are of who they're actually okay. looking at. I'm, I'm still going to look. Just oh, to no, sure. go ahead and look. I'm yeah, just I'm saying. Gonna, like, that's just kind of what they do. Um, this is this is what this is smoke screen time. It's it's draft time, which means it's smoke screen time. You mean like last year when we called yeah. like 15 teams about their quarterbacks and everyone thought we were trading for... Eddie Bridgewater. Yeah, I I would Sam say Darnold. I would say about you know twenty percent of the players they actually talk to they're actually interested in. Uh, most of them they found other ways to talk to them, whether that was at the Senior Bowl or the Combine. Uh, but after that, when they set up these interviews, I wonder how many of them they actually draft. I, I wonder as well. Um, and Gary had asked earlier. Yeah, this was a, g- a good question. When you grade a free agent or a draft, is it the quality of the player or the fit? Oh, it, it, it depends. It depends on need. If you have needs, then you have to draft for the fit. Um, if it's, you know, if it's the best player available, then yeah, you're taking a player that has a lot of, uh, a lot of ability and you can always change your scheme depending on how good that player is. Um, so if you, you know, are able to lock up a big time football player, you might actually change the way you run offense to incorporate what he does well. So I think a lot of times that is part of the scheme fit. It doesn't have to fit very like, square in a square hole or you know round peg in a round hole uh it it can change depending on how good that player is you can adapt uh because you just don't want to miss out on big time talent no you don't want to miss on big time talent and i've seen a couple people saying you know we need to sign some of these big names and go after big time talent and look if you're the niners right now you're not gonna be able to sign big names you're not gonna be able to bring these guys in um you know they're not going to move off of jimmy garoppolo at this point in time so that means 
uh, unless you're planning to extend some of these other players and push money down the road in some way, shape, or form. Um, there's not a lot of cap space to be had. There's not a lot of moves to be made. That's why we just saw Arden Key walk and go to Jacksonville. Um, some people were like, you know, one year, three million guaranteed this upcoming season. It's like, yes, you're right, three million guaranteed with an escalator to to up to seven. Um, but his base salary, if he makes the roster and does his workout bonus, ends up being four million. So he's three million guaranteed at signing. It's really a four million dollar base salary that with escalators up to seven. Um, Niners don't have four million in cap space. No, and I don't think they want to pay him four million dollars, and I don't think they believe that his value. Um, is that much better than Kerry Hyder? So you got Kerry Hyder for a lot cheaper. Three million dollar difference is is a lot. So I just thought they felt Arden Key wasn't that much of an upgrade over potentially what Kerry Hyder could offer your team. They may even potentially believe Kerry Hyder's a better football team or better or better football player or better fit for their football team. So uh, yeah, it, it, Arden Key would have been a perfect world signing, but once they brought Hyder back, it didn't make a lot of sense. They're 11 deep right now. They're not rolling with 11 guys on their 53-man roster. They're going to have to make some concessions there. So it's going to have a very talented room, and we'll we'll see how that one shakes out. But, no, I'm not really worried about Arden Key you know, moving on because, um, yeah, he's a good player, and he got paid, but he didn't really get the, the huge contract I think he was looking for. So the Niners could have brought him back if they wanted. I think they just felt like Harry Hyder being cheaper uh, and Kerry Hyder being back, it was was better for them. Um, it feels that way. And I wonder also if because of how long it took them to kind of find that role for Arden Key, that they feel not only that they feel that, you know, Kerry Hyder could be a better fit. They have a better idea of how they want to utilize him. Yeah. And maybe that's why they're, they're going this route, right? It's, it's a very funny situation, Ant, that you had, uh, Arden Key get Arden Key replacing Kerry Hyder and then Kerry Hyder subsequently the next year replacing him afterwards. Uh, Bravo Rees asked, are the 49ers hedging their bets on Lance by keeping Jimmy around? Um, I... I don't know if hedging their bets is the right way to phrase that. Um, I think they are holding on to someone they value as an asset. They believe is a good locker room guy for them that has led them to games and helped them be successful. Their belief is that Trey Lance is the guy and that is ready. But if something happens to Trey Lance and OTAs or training camps, if you haven't dealt Jimmy yet, you have someone you can turn and, and lean on. Yeah. And because you place such a high value on him, Someone else in the league will eventually, eventually they believe someone else will also, they'll match that or meet that, that what their value of Jimmy is, someone else will meet that. And so because they feel that way, they're not wanting to move off him unless someone wants to value him and, and treat that as such, meaning they give San Francisco what they value for Jimmy Garoppolo in return in order for them to move off of that. And I think they, even they feel like, right, there's enough time between now and, I mean, if we really want to say it all the way until the trade deadline in which that can, that can change for somebody else. Yeah, I think listening to what John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan had to say um, recently, also Jed York's comments, I think shed a lot of light on this. Um, and I believe that they were hoping they were going to get a really nice offer for Jimmy Garoppolo and be able to move him because they said there wasn't a lot of situations in which they envisioned his money being on the books right now, which meant they intended to move on in a trade. When Jimmy Garoppolo had to have surgery, that never that wasn't the case anymore. Teams weren't willing to pay the 49ers asking price. So they had a decision here. We can either sell you know right now on the value and not get the value we believe we can get out of this player um in the trade market or we believe that this guy has more value to us than what we're getting offered i believe that a you know a fifth or sixth round pick is probably what they're getting offered because of the injuries and they're saying no we value him more on our football team than we do that trade so we're not just going to move off of an asset like jimmy garoppolo because of you know the fact that we want to clear the space so they're waiting until they get that value. Will that value come? We don't know. 
that value could ultimately mean that he's on this roster, um, at least in the training camp and potentially thereafter, depending on what happens around the league. If if one of these other teams suffers an injury at quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo could become very valuable at that moment. But now the 49ers have had to make adjustments. They have to play with you know Jimmy Garoppolo's contract on the books. So they're having to be very strategic on who they bring back and how they work these contracts. Um, so potentially this could, because it caused some problems in how they effectively build around Trey Lance, but they're going to do it now. And, you know, there is always the case, like you said, Alex, that if, if we go through OTAs and mini camps and something happens to Trey Lance, they could bring Jimmy Garoppolo back. I don't believe it's a play on the field thing that's going to happen. That's going to cause Trey Lance to not be the starter, but some sort of unfortunate injury. That would be the only way I can see it unfolding at this point in time. Now it could be wrong. You know, we, we could all be, putting way too much stock and faith in Trey Lance. But at this point, I haven't seen anything that makes me not want to do that. Um, there's been a heavy amount of development from the young man. We've seen the growth already. Um, and like I said, I, I think uh, I think the sky is the limit for the kid. Um, we'll see what, what that turns into, and OTAs will be a, a good determination of that. But the Niners, while they were hopeful that they would be able to do this, they were hopeful to be able to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo sooner rather than later and be able to free up the money and you know have the flexibility to maybe look at trade options and trade partners make some deals for some players and things of that nature, or even go after and compete to contend to sign some of these players. Yeah. They just can't. Um, you know, the, this Deshaun Watson, Watson situation unfolds the way it does. Um, things unfold the way they did with uh, Carson Wentz and, and the Indianapolis Colts. They, you know, take a shot at Matt Ryan, and, and that ends up, you know, there ends up being a really a huge quarterback shift landscape this year where a lot of teams shift to, to new directions. But here's the thing. Uh, next season, there are going to be teams that are going to be in the same boat. They're going to be in the same boat of looking for quarterbacks. And, and by the time we get to the midway point of the season or a little bit before, there's going to be a team that has go, is going to have to start making decisions in terms of the quarterbacks that are currently in place for some of these bad football teams. Are these guys the future or are they not? And if they're not, they're going to turn to a team like San Francisco if they're still holding on to Jimmy. Yeah, you could be right. And Brad Jones says, if you also listen to Albert Breer, there's still interest in Jimmy G, but the shoulder surgery set it all back. Wouldn't be surprised if they get two second round picks in July for him. Uh, so potentially, you know, his market could heat up. But it's also, not going to be the draft, though. It could be. You think so? Well, what if one of these teams misses out on one of those young quarterbacks? Doesn't oh, get the that. guy that they're targeting. Is they able to lock one of those guys up? Maybe then they're like, you know what? Jimmy Garoppolo becomes the best option. Possibly. Uh, so potentially that is that that could be the case. I've seen Hafizian said um, Mayfield is a better value trade, uh, except for he has no leadership in the locker room. And he costs... What eighteen million? So he's making yeah. he's making seven million less than Jimmy Garoppolo and doesn't have the same pedigree or acumen as a a, a a guy who builds culture. Yeah, and I mean probably the main team that's interested is Carolina, and if Carolina is interested in Jimmy Garoppolo, they need somebody that can come in there and stabilize the room. Baker Mayfield is how much better than Sam Darnold? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think he's that much better than Sam Darnold. He hasn't proven it to me. Um, so and I and it's basically the same contract. So. I'm I'm not really excited about I I don't think anyone would be excited about bringing Baker Mayfield in. The fact that people are I mean as far as trade value, yeah, you pay a lot less for Baker Mayfield and there's a reason for that. People don't value the intangibles that he has cuz he doesn't have very many intangibles. Um so I think they would value Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit more, uh mainly because of his locker room presence and the way he can operate an offense. It is at a different level than Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield may have more physical abilities and physical traits um, than Jimmy Garoppolo, but I don't believe it's an actual that he's a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, it doesn't doesn't feel that way. Uh, Ronnie Montoya asked, "Do we go best available player Ooh, uh, yeah. with our first draft pick?" It does feel that way. Kyle Shanahan actually talked about a little bit about you know his thoughts on 
draft and free agency and thinks everything's backwards and it's inverted. You prefer to, to draft certain players at certain positions first and then be able to know, all right, I feel like we plugged these holes. Now I can go after the, the guys I want to go after in free agency and some bigger names and spend the money that I want to spend. Unfortunately for Kyle Shanahan, that's not going to happen ever. Um, and so you have the situation now where, yeah, there are some holes in this team. Uh, it feels like nickel corner is, is a one that's a, a big, big gaping, glaring hole at the moment. A lot of people feel O-line is as well. Some edge rushing talent opposite of Nick Bosa would be absolutely phenomenal in a lot of people's minds, mind's eye. Um, there's a lot of things that the Niners could do. A lot of areas the Niners could address this. Um, uh, barring barring best available player being a quarterback or something along those lines or or a tackle or something, I think the Niners probably address address whatever is the best option for one of the big big holes and big needs. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I just don't know also if one of those guys is going to be there, like a big edge rushing name, a big wide receiver name or something like that. Um, you know, if it's if the best player available is an interior D lineman, do you think the San Francisco 49ers go that? Uh, I wouldn't normally think they would go interior defensive line, but they could uh, with, with everything. I mean, you want to try to draft best of best available player. However, if you have a glaring need and then you have to go ahead and address that if if position need and player at that position are similar or they're pretty close where you're coming to your draft slot, uh, then you go ahead and you make that selection. So I think right now you're right. Nickel corner appears to be the biggest hole for the 49ers. Some would say safety as well. There could be a hole there. Um, other than that, I don't think the Niners have a whole lot of holes. I, I know we're talking about, you know, offensive line and potentially they could go bring in an offensive lineman, but how, you know, which one of those offensive linemen are you going to get that at 61, that's going to step in day one and start over the guys you have currently. I think the, the way you could have addressed that room was in free agency to get better this year. I think a, a, a pick at 61 would in fact be a investment into the future. So um, I don't I don't know if they're going to go best available or or need. We'll see how the rest of free agency plays out too. We have a little bit of time before the draft. If the 49ers bring in another, you know, Jason Verrett, for instance, to play nickel corner, uh, then you're probably not looking at that being in need. So they're not going to draft that at 61. So that takes some of the corners off the books. So then it would, you know, then turn to what? Offense, interior offensive line safety. I'm not sure you're going for need at safety when you got Tarverius, you know, more and you've got other guys that you've put investment into, like George Odom uh, and Tal Nohufunga, you spent a fifth-round pick on. Yep, Is one of these guys better than them and can step in day one? I think a lot of people are high on Jalen Petrie. Very high uh, on and, Petrie. and some of these guys, but um, I don't know if Jalen Petrie can step in day one and start over Tarverius Moore. Uh, I know Tarverius Moore hasn't showed a whole lot, and a lot of people have been very clear to tell me that. Um, but I still think a guy that's played in the league for four years is going to have a heads-up on somebody like Jalen Petrie, who I, I believe is a very good football player. But I do think he needs one year before he could step in and start for the San Francisco 49ers. One year makes sense, Ant, and it feels like you know a year of development is something the Niners have really looked at in in some of their players and and guys that they've brought in uh, to this situation with this team. Uh, Ernest had said, "Let's go. What's up, guys? How you doing? Good, sir. How you? How are you doing?" Uh, Sam Sambicom will be just fine opposite of Bosa, said Mr. Corey. A pass rusher from the interior is needed more than the departure uh, more with the departure of Key and Jones. So Mr. Corey thinks an interior pass rushing threat is the is the way the Niners should maybe address some things. And that is, that is possible, but they may be looking at Kerry Hyder as someone who can slide in on the yeah. interior and, and have a big role in that sense. It is Kerry Hyder. And then you're expecting Javon Kinlaw to be able to rush on the early downs, first and second down. He He's going to be the one expected to take on the DJ Jones role. And he's a first round pick. So you're hoping he develops. But they also got Ridgeway as well. So another guy that's going to be able to rotate. 
Um, so yeah, Hyder's the fit for Key, True. and and Kinlaw is stepping into DJ Jones's role. So actually, they've already filled those roles. Whether we want to question whether those guys are as good as their predecessors That's is fair. one thing. Um, but they've definitely went out and addressed that situation. And I do believe they actually improved the defensive line room because they brought in Ridgeway over Contavia Street. Yeah, Ridgeway over Contavia Street is an actual huge uptick, actually, yeah. in, in that regard there. Um, I, I do like that a lot. And it seems like the Niners have addressed it. I just don't know necessarily if they've addressed it the way fans wanted it addressed. Uh, but here we are. We're here regardless. This is the situation, the boat that we're in. The Niners have made moves. And now there's still more moves to be made and uh, draft picks to be made in terms of which route they're going to be going to fill out the rest of the 90-man roster and sure up and plug up some of these holes that people believe are, you know, gaping holes. And I understand a few of them. Uh, Ernest just said, is there any good free agent centers next year? Because if not, the Niners need to draft a center this year. And I would. I would take him in the second round. Um, so Ernest is thinking second round pick, pick 61, you go center. And there are some guys that are available. And we talked about that yesterday, the interior D-line episode. So if you missed that, Ernest, go oh, back line. and watch that. Because we went through a lot of names. Yeah. Including centers. Yeah. Alec Lindstrom is one of those guys at 61 that could be available. Um, we also like Cam Jurgens, of course, from Nebraska. And then later on in the draft, you got Donovan West from Arizona State. Those are all guys that could play center for the 49ers uh, if they decide to go that route. The question being, and we've we've had other people that say this in the chat as well, and this is my belief, that Kyle Shanahan wants a veteran center. Not somebody he's going to draft and develop, but an actual veteran center that can come in and command the team. So potentially... The, the, the talk could be who which free agents are available, like he said, because the 49ers seem to go that route. So I don't know if they're going to address this with a center in the draft. I think I would like it. I think that would be cool. If they brought in a guy that could you know go ahead and operate one year under Alex Mack and then eventually take over. But I seem to think they're going to go veteran center potentially uh, next year and that they're going to draft other positions now. Um, it does feel that way. And Mr. Corey just said Kinlaw rushing the passer. Um, no, Kinlaw in on rush base rushdowns to, yeah. to stop the run. That's the DJ Jones role. Now, DJ Jones showed that he was very dynamic in terms of being able to get after the quarterback. You're hoping that Kinlaw can eventually develop into that. But as of right now, you're relying on him to be better against double teams and not better in the terms of like he got beat or anything. But let's actually try and eat double teams, right? And destroy double teams instead of just not allowing double teams to get a push at all. Uh, and you're wanting him to be a formidable first down and second down run stopping guy. Yeah, he's a run stopping guy, but when it when they pass on first and second down, he he's expected to rush the passer. Correct. Uh, go back and watch the South Carolina film. I mean, he wasn't a a bad pass rusher at South Carolina. He's also going to be switching positions. He's been playing the three tech uh, predominantly in his two years in the NFL. Now he's going to be playing nose tackle, so he's going to have a different role. He's going to be playing against different players, and he's going to have Eric Armstead next to him, which he didn't have you know last year. So Armstead being on the interior the entire time with Bosa and Ebucom on the outside and improved Ebucom is going to make it a little bit easier for Javon Kinlaw. Am I saying he's a, a well-polished, developed pass rusher? No. That is something he needs to do. Uh, but Kyle Shanahan talked a lot about Javon Kinlaw and said he's been seeing him every single day outside his window, and he looks really good. In fact, better than he has seen him at any point since he's been with the 49ers. That's a good sign. Uh, but yeah, he's got some development there, but he has the skills to be able to do it. Can he reach his potential? That's what we're going to find out. Chris Kacarek has to go pull it out of him. Uh, yeah, and we've seen Chris Kacarek pull that out of a lot of different guys, and yeah, a lot of different guys. So if there's one, if there's one position that I'm more happy, and we're not more happy, but am more willing to let the San Francisco 49ers take some chances at, it's the D line. Chris Kacarek has earned every right to be able to mold and shape whoever he wants and bring in whatever guys that he wants. 
Kinlaw seemed to be a guy that he was excited about. And oh, he was, yeah. Big fat man crush on, so <laughs> let's get the, Kinlaw. The, the meme of the Wolverine, you know, like that Basically, is literally, Because yeah. Eric was staring at pictures of Javon mm-hmm. Kinlaw in his South Carolina uniform. Uh, look, I, I, I think I think that I'm I'm willing to give this an opportunity. I'm not willing to panic one way or the other. I think Javon Kinlaw has a very high ceiling. It's just health at this point. So if he's in the best shape that they've seen out of him, um, there has been no setbacks, and they continue to be continues to be no setbacks. Then we're looking at a situation this year where we're going to get we're going to get the best version of of Javon Kinlaw that we've seen so far in San Francisco. And now we hope that it's exactly what you drafted him for at the spot you drafted him at. Yeah, potentially. I mean, that's what he's got to develop into, and that's what they're betting on. Uh, when you go the draft and development role, which the I mean, a lot of 49er fans are very huge on the draft. Um, not Nick Newman as much, but the 49er fans are huge on it. You have to eventually let your veteran player leave, and you have to develop one of these guys. We're going to see what happens this year. you got Javon Kinlaw is going to step up into a predominant role and take over what DJ Jones uh, was doing at nose tackle. And then you also got Aaron Banks over on the offense that potentially True. is going to slide into that left guard spot left by Lincoln Tomlinson. Kyle Shanahan said that's why they drafted him there in the first place. And then I, I think there's also the potential of Jalen Moore. Um, I know there's been some kickback on that, but possibly Jalen Moore competing you know, at right guard with Daniel Brunskill if Brunskill comes back and signs his tender. Are, are people like upset about that? They want him to be tackled? No, I think that people think he doesn't have the skill set to play guard. Um, that he's, 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 you know, basically he was drafted to play tackle. I do believe they drafted him with a specific thing in mind. It could be as simple as drafting him because he's such a great player that he could eventually take over for Mike McGlinchey. That could happen. But there's no reason that he couldn't slide in at right guard, especially if you're teaching him to play the right side. Teach him to play the right guard now, and then he could kick out to right tackle if Mike McGlinchey is gone after, you know, this season. So 2023, like I said on the, the stream yesterday when we were talking, if you have Jalen Moore as your 2023 starting right tackle, he's developed that much that he's able to be that, you're sitting pretty because that's a really cheap option uh, at the tackle position. And then maybe you could go spend and get the veteran center that you want to get. Um, You would think. Yeah. You you would think. And brand new saying Rams are repeating, LOL. Um, They, they made a nice move today. They made a nice move today, but they still got some other holes they still got to plug as well. Uh, no one in the NFC has made enough moves right now to be solidified in terms of their rosters are set. Everyone's feeling really good. Uh, a lot of the teams in the NFC have lost players to the AFC or have not been able to sign and bring in the big name players. Uh, all of them have made little things and done little moves to bolster their roster in certain ways, but there are holes in other places and all of them right now. It feels like a good chunk of those teams answer potentially looking to fill them in the draft. Although I don't know how the Rams are going to do that with no picks, but eh, it's fine. No, I, I think so. I don't think the Rams at, by any means have gotten better this year. I, I think the, if you want to say they're close to the same, that's fine. That's fine. The, the 49ers, you know, we have spots where there's weak, you know, where they've lost players. So maybe there's weaknesses and you got to count on a young player to step in. But you also have the questions of, I mean, potential Trey Lance taking you to another level. Uh, if Trey Lance makes your football team seven points better, you're you're gonna go ahead and beat the Rams in the playoffs. I mean, that's you you're lost be, by three. You're gonna uh, be a lot of teams. So, I mean, there that's the thing. You, the potential is there for the 49ers. Have they made the splash moves? No. But let's see how this full 90-man roster shakes out and eventually 53. We got a long ways to go. We got the draft. We still got free agency. And with so many big time players out there not getting the money that they want, uh potentially at some point they could strike. They could. They could strike. Um, we're gonna see. We're gonna see about that. And I saw Mr. Corey said a little bit earlier, I believe Shanahan about Banks and Jalen Moore, just not about Kinlaw, but we'll see. And you know what? That's fair. Uh, I've seen seen a lot more from uh, Jalen Moore than I've seen from Kinlaw in terms of 
uh, where he's at recently on the football field. Um, Javon Kinlaw just hasn't been available because of the knee stuff. So we're going to see where he gets to and how he's looking and how he's feeling. Um, but I tell you what, last year when we went to training camp, Ant, we saw him and this was before all the reports about, you know, the setback with the knee and all this other stuff. He was jumping around and moving around out there and looked uh, pretty athletic and monstrous. And it was exciting. It was exciting to watch. And if that yeah. if that wasn't the most in shape, best version of Javon Kinlaw, then I'm absolutely terrified for everybody else of what that actually looks like. Yeah, he's freakishly big and strong. I mean, anyone that can st stand next to uh, Eric Armstead and make him look smaller, or stand next to Trent Williams and make him look smaller, True. you are a freakishly you know big man. Uh, I think that he's got he's got to turn it. This is the year, right? He's got to prove it. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to go out there and continue continuously have good snaps and good reps. But the good news is he's going to be in the best situation he's been in the last. You know, two years or three years that he's been on the on the 49ers because in 2020 he was tasked with playing a lot more snaps than they ever intended as a rookie um yeah. he got hurt but he played a lot of a lot of times tired and when he started getting fatigued he started playing high last year the knee injury that he had suffered against dallas you know kind of came back up and and reared his ugly head and he suffered from it so this is the year he's got to stay healthy he's going to be in a nice rotation where he's not expected to play the amount of snaps he played in 2020 and he's going to have to go out there and compete at a high level if he does it, great, uh, and and I think he'll show his potential. Um, but I think him moving to nose tackle could be a big move as well. Uh, very true. And Jay Ellie, thank you for upping the membership, my yeah, guy. Yeah, Jay Ellie, awesome. Staying staying in the TCC, and I, I appreciate that. Uh, we we love that. We love that support around here. Uh, Brad Jones said apparently Steelers going hard for the Honey Badger. Interesting, very interesting there. And uh, I'm a little surprised they didn't do it sooner. But maybe they feel like the numbers come down a little bit and it's a little bit closer and more palatable for them. Maybe. Possibly. I mean, and, and it could be that the Honey Badger's finally flirting with them. Uh, he was He's just not getting the money where he wanted. He wanted to go to a contender. True. And not getting that money, all of a sudden he's like, oh, well, she's not the sexiest girl, but I'm going to flirt with her because she's got what I need. There you go. Oh, that's solid. Man. Yeah, it's just yeah. absolutely solid. Yeah. Matthew Raleigh, why do you think that Trey is going to be better than Jimmy? He wasn't very good last year when playing, and all the evidence coming out of this offseason has been bad. I've seen no evidence that come out of this offseason. There's there's no evidence available of anything that's happened coming out of this offseason that would suggest anything about Trey Lance not being improved. No, I, I think it's it's always about potential. And that's what I said was potentially he could be better than you know what you got from Jimmy Garoppolo. Correct. Um, you don't know for sure. None of us do. None of us have seen him. And in all the videos that are coming out of, of him doing footwork and stuff, every single quarterback is doing that. And every single quarterback is doing those drills, and they all look good doing it. Um, the thing about Trey Lance, though, is I think it's Kyle Shanahan's belief. The way that Kyle Shanahan talked about Trey Lance, he said, last year, Trey Lance wasn't ready to, to handle Jimmy Garoppolo. He wasn't ready to take that spot. This year would be different. Um, that quote alone shows you that they believe Trey Lance has improved enough that not only would he have pushed a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo, but he believes he would actually overtake him as the starter. That or is at enough, the very at the very least, there's an opportunity to overtake. That's enough confidence for me to believe that Trey Lance is at least on that ability. You couple in the fact that he is more athletic than Jimmy Garoppolo, so potentially it's there. But it's all potential. It's all talk because he we haven't seen it, it on the field yet. Um, but the the guys you're going to know the most are are not reporters. They're not us. It's it's going to be the coaching staff. They're going to be the ones that that's and, and him and every John day. Beck. And John Beck, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent, yeah, and and potentially Brandon Ayuk is down there working with them. I would I would say that yeah. as well. I would say that as well. Brandon Ayuk is going to have a, a very good idea also about what's going on and and how this is playing out. And look, at the end of the day, with with Trey Lance, it's it's all possibility. It's all 
probability, right? It's not fact one way or the other, um, which is why it's funny when you got, uh, you know, the Daniel Kellys of the world coming out with his fantastical article and uh, that was basically summed up in a great tweet by a couple different people. And then I had to chime in as well. Um, in a surprising turn of events, a rookie is a rookie and has potential, but is still a rookie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tra Trey Lance showed, you know, the, the things that you expected him to show, the physical gifts through the roof um, in the time that he played, but a guy that needed to learn the ropes as far as offense, being able to, you know, understand the scheme and where his receiver is going to be as it meant to this the coverage scheme or what he was going against. It was all things you fully expected from a rookie quarterback. And I like the fact that he didn't have to go out there and learn by trial by fire, but he was able to get in there and feel comfortable. Uh, you know, in the times that he had, he was thrust out there a little bit because of Jimmy's injuries. And I think it gave him some good experience, but you did see the improvement um, from the time that he played against Arizona until the time he played that second half against the Texans and other players saw it as well, because Houston Texan players were very, very over the top about the potential of Trey Lance. A lot of them were saying how good he's going to be in the future. Uh, that's true. And, and, you know, I, I just saw there that, uh, you know, Matthew came out and said, you know, well, there's a bunch of it, two stories breaking down film. Um, I read both of those stories. Neither one of them actually Bro Broke down film of, of the offseason or the regular season? They broke down film of the regular season, and, okay. and one of them went through an entire list of throws that were too low and too high, which is funny because Jimmy Garoppolo also had throws that were too low and too high, and there was no comparative stat. Also, I've watched a lot of clips and films of Trey Lance throwing some low balls this past season. You know what a lot of them were? Really good ball placement outside the numbers on comebacks. Like, really good ball placement on that. Like, the only place Trey Lance could put the ball was low in a way where his receiver is going to catch it or it's going to be, it's going to fall incomplete. Um, so what is the criteria for evaluating where a ball is, when a ball is considered yeah. low and when a ball is considered high? That's, that's a subjective criteria that is, there's no definition given. So I just, I just worry about Alex, uh, people breaking down Trey Lance's, like where he throws the football location. Um, that's not what you worry about with the rookie quarterback. What you want to worry about is him actually locating the, the right, right receiver. Guy? If he located the right receiver, that's a win. That's a win for Trey Lance because once he understands where he's supposed to go with the football, uh, which receiver in the scheme, what his progressions are, all the physical gifts will get easier. The game is going to slow down. He's going to be able to go through everything that needs to do. He's not going to be so tense. All those things are going to be true. Um, it, it's kind of risky going in there and breaking down somebody, uh, a quarterback, for instance, on the missing a little bit here or there. Um, just go in there and make sure they find the right guy. So I understand what people are doing. Everyone wants to evaluate every single player, maybe even over-evaluate. Well, um, if, if well, yeah. at this point, it's an over-evaluation because there's not, a, there's not enough film to have a, a proper sample size to know what his, strength, what his true strengths and true weaknesses are. Yeah, no, I mean, everyone, everyone understands that Trey Lance is a work in progress. What we do understand, though, is the 49ers were actively shopping Jimmy Garoppolo. That means they have a belief that Trey Lance is going to be ready. Kyle Shanahan wasn't going to just take a step back and be like, oh, well, we're going to let the young kid work and, and we'll get back to you in 2023. He was going to roll out there with a really good football player, and uh, he believes Trey Lance is going to be that guy. So uh, that's what I believe, though. I, I just I always have thought that a rookie quarterback, it's about locating the right guy in the scheme, going through his progressions and getting the ball out. And you'll worry about all the rest later because everything will slow down for him. Uh, that it will, that it will, Auntie. It, eventually, over time, it will slow down, and the more reps he's getting, both in practice, uh, in the summertime, in the off season, uh, and come game day, and OTAs, and training camp, and and preseason game, it's all gonna help. Yeah, it's all gonna help in a big way. Uh, optimism is always king, says 49ers Fogies, <laughs> and he's not wrong there. Uh, Lax Dad said we need a right tackle. McGlinchey is not healthy. 
Um, they're hoping he's going to be healthy. And the fact that the Niners didn't go out and sign a bunch of other bigger name gentlemen um, or, or bring themselves in, you know, a, a, another tackle prospect out there to, to compete and you let Tom Compton walk in the offseason, um, it, it either means you either, A, didn't want to have to spend money in the O-line, you think there's pieces in the building that can do it, or B, you think McGlinchey's going to be healthy come come season. Yeah, it's either McGlinchey's healthy or they believe in Jalen Moore, Justin Skule, or um, Colton McKivitz. I mean, I, I think that's it. I think they have a belief that they have somebody in the room that can play in case McGlinchey's not healthy. But John Lynch saying that he, you know, Mike McGlinchey was on target. I mean, that's just kind of what you have to go with. I do believe that if if Mike McGlinchey wasn't on target and one of these guys wasn't capable, they would have made a move for right tackle. There were some good ones out there. Teron Armstead is out there. That's true. Um, you also had uh, Alel Collins who became available. The 49ers would have been in on that. They would have restructured or extended somebody else to free up that money to be able to do so. They didn't. Uh, so could, that, could that means they... Go could, ahead. Could you have seen a situation where they would have tried and dealt McGlinchey for Collins? No, because they wouldn't be able to get him cleared. He would not pass the yeah. physical. Uh, if the injuries is really that bad, and that's the reason they're moving on from because I don't think they move on from McGlinchey unless the injury is really bad. True. Uh, I think he's going to be on the roster, and then they'll make a decision. And if Jalen, if it's as simple as Jalen Moore is ready to take over next year, then it'll be just like you saw with Lakin Tomlinson. Mike McGlinchey will, will go somewhere else. 49ers will get a comp pick, and they will have Jalen Moore slide right into the right tackle spot. True. That's probably uh, probably the yeah. case there, Mr. Corey said. Or C, they're going to draft a right tackle. They could. They could. I feel like that's and, the least likely option, but yeah. it's possible. And Mr. Corey, if, if they draft the right tackle, I'm curious, you know, who would you go with that that's, right tackle? That's the question. Well, I, we know he's going to say what? Peddington? They might. Yeah. Or, or yeah, Penning? Penning, that, Penning. There we go. Penning. Trevor Penning, yeah. Wow. I mean, everyone loves Penning. Everybody loves Penning. Yeah, but he ain't going to be available for the 49 61. No, yeah, he, what is he, a top 10 pick? Top 15? He would fe- it feels like it. Yeah. It feels like it. I mean, look, in terms of like high-end tackles this year, there's just a couple. And then it's it's a lot of guys with that are, that are pretty good and a lot of potential. Yeah. But there's not a lot of top 10 guys. I also wouldn't be surprised if they don't take a, a tackle in the draft. Uh, but my question is, you know, what kind of versatility will have will that guy be, and then at what spot? There you go. The there Trevor we go, Penning. Trevor Penning. There you go. I, uh, I, I kind of felt it was coming. <laughs> yeah, we haven't seen a Trevor Penning sighting in chat in a while. It's when you when you haven't had that in a while, and it's almost it's almost inevitable at that point yeah. in time. It's inevitable. Uh, look, uh, Don, oh, not Donald here. Joe Torres said they should have finished the season with Trey Lance after the Jaguars game this year. Do you mean the Texans game? Because the Jaguars game was a pretty dominating performance from the 49ers offensively. Uh, I don't I don't know why anyone would think they should finish it with Trey Lance if the 49ers made it to the NFC Championship game. Like, um, if, if Kyle Shanahan had believed that uh, Trey Lance was ready to roll at that time and he was a better option, he would have rolled with Trey Lance over Jimmy Garoppolo because Jimmy Garoppolo had injuries. And anytime a player has injuries like that, it gives you an opportunity to tell the rest of the team, like, hey, look, uh, I, I know Jimmy's our guy, but Jimmy's hurt, and we, can go, we need to go with the kid because he gives us the best option, and the team would have went for it. So... Uh, the fact that they didn't means that they, they needed a role with Jimmy Garoppolo at the time, and they believe Trey Lance is going to be ready to go and at least as good an option as Jimmy Garoppolo or better. Uh, it's true. Clown Man said, dude, not happy with his offseason family, yeah. optimistic or not. And, and you know what? And Clown Man, I think, you know, kind of that reiterates all through a lot of the 49er fan base. Uh, people wanted them to make a lot of splashy moves, but one of the things they wanted them to do was get Jimmy Garoppolo off the books and have that, that cap space to be able to, you know, assign other players or to make other moves. I think 49 fans would have even been okay with an extension for Debo Samuel coming down already using that Jimmy Garoppolo money. That hasn't happened. Um, so I get the frustration, 
Um, the one thing to just remember is they have been very good at this throughout the years. And and let's see. Let's let's see what they do in the draft. If they're able to fill in these holes, fill in with, you know, potentially other free agents. Um, but I get it uh, for sure. I think I think everyone can feel the right to be frustrated. The ones that are optimistic, that's great. The ones that are frustrated, that's okay too. Uh, this is just, it, it has been one of those kind of underwhelming off seasons so far for the 49ers. Uh, it's very true. Uh, it's very true. I remember Lack said a little earlier, I had asked who's the outside corner and who's playing nickel. As of this point in time, at this moment, it feels like the outside guys are Emmanuel Mosley and Trivarius Ward. And your inside guy is Lenore or Dante Johnson. Or even uh, uh, Darquez Denard. Darquez Denard could be that. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's how it looks right now. That's why I said last night to you, like, Omri Thomas is 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 he that much? Is he ready to roll where you can move know. Emmanuel Mosley inside? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I, I, I think know. that they're still working on Jason Verrett. I, I do. I think they're trying to make that done. I think he's trying to get physically able to play. Um, so potentially that could happen sometime in the next few weeks. I was I was thinking about that. I, I didn't think about that at first. If he can't pass a physical yet, he can't sign anywhere. Yeah, so. he could sign and you could bypass it, but That's they true. might not want that to happen. That's also true. Um, so I think that they're going to work on that. And I, I think part of it is they just have to work out the money. Um, so they, at some point, they're going to free up money. They have to because they have to be able to sign Aziz Alshire and Daniel Brunskill to their tenders. And, and also Jawan Jennings. And all those tenders come up April 22nd. And that's, um, that's right a, around the corner. Yeah, there is a deadline for this. So there's a, a few weeks, and that's why I said possibly Jason Verrett, as they continue to work on, they're going to make some extensions, some restructures, or potentially move Jimmy. I would say Jimmy's probably the least likely now out of the situations. Um, so, But they got to they gotta free up some money to be able to sign some of these players they've uh, tendered contracts to. Uh, yeah, possibly. And Laxash said, no comp picks next year. We're cutting Jimmy after he passes a physical, doubling the cap, roll it over to next year, all in free agency. All of it. Spend all of the money in free agency. Look, I I, I don't know if they're going to do that. If if you if you do go that route, if you wait till Jimmy passes a physical and you decide to cut him at that point in time and he's got, you're going to be clearing yourself some cap and whatever. He's going to be rolling over to next season. That's, that's all good and great and grand. But you're going to use that money to sign Debo. You're not going to roll that over. You're going to use that for a Debo extension right now. Yeah, and and more than likely, you, you may not even use that for Debo. There could potentially be free agents that are still sitting there. Possibly that. Uh, too. Last year, Justin Houston and and Melvin Ingram were available during training camp. There's going to be potentially players and veteran players that are going to be looking for money, um, and the 49ers could build their roster then. That's why it's still a wait and see sort of thing. But the Niners have 11 picks next year. They don't really need another comp pick per se. Um, they a have a, a a lot of a lot of picks because a lot of players have went uh, draft and development and then build through the comp picks. That's why I think they're going to be hyper aggressive in this draft. You don't need to make nine selections. You know, make six, seven selections. Hopefully, in the top one hundred and fifty, and try to get some impact players onto your football team. Uh, uh yeah. Fashion just said cut Tart. Well, you can't cut Tart. He's not signed. Yeah. He's not signed now. They may not even re-sign him. I, I don't know what the Niners' plan is at the safety position, but it's interesting because the nickel corner and the safety spot, Ant, were the last few years a spot that there was some strength in. And when you re-signed Tart last year, it felt like, hey, this is a, a positive thing here. You got a, yourself a nice little room. And the way he played all throughout the season, up through, up until that NFC Championship game, and even then it wasn't bad other than the dropped pick, which everyone yeah. can't can't move off of now. Um, it felt like, you know, it was a shoo to re-sign this guy and bring him back into the fold and let him and Jimmy Ward run it back another year and see what happens. Um, the fact that this hasn't happened yet, um, I'm, I'm not sure what that means. And I don't know if we're going to see a, a Tart signing back in San Francisco at this point. They may really like the room as it currently is constituted. Yeah, I don't know what they believe George Odom is. I mean, that's one thing. And 
what how they believe Talanoa Hufanga is going to develop. The one thing I I do know is Hufanga needs to continue to develop, you know, in in the coverage game, and he can do that. He can get better. Um, but this is something that's been a weakness for him. We don't know what Tavarius Moore, their thoughts are, were for him coming into last year. The belief was that he was going to compete for the starting job, potentially start next to Jimmy Ward. You're right. Maybe they feel comfortable with the safety room as it is, uh, and they're going to roll with that. And if they do, uh, then they don't have to allocate any more funds that way. And then Jimmy Ward, I mean, I'm sorry, Jaquiski Tart doesn't make sense, but I think they would miss Tart in the box if Tart doesn't come back. Um, Hufanga is good, but the run fits aren't as good as, as Jaquiski Tart. They will get there eventually because he's just that kind of player. Um, but Tart is one of those seasoned veterans who just seen it all and knows what he's looking at. Uh, very true. And Lou just asked, uh, TCC, late. Did I miss any breaking news? Uh, no real breaking news other than, you know, the Niners picking up Kyle Juszczyk's option through 2025. So now he's on the roster and has an additional $1.25 million guaranteed next year. Not this year, next year. Yeah, that's not shocking at all. No, not shocking. Um, so not not any, nothing breaking, nothing crazy there. Um, I did see Forktail say, how fast is Trey's throwing motion? Um, throwing motion is elongated. Um, it, it seems not as to... fast as Jimmy's. No, <laughs> no, uh, not not even close. Um, I saw some some clips today of of him doing doing workouts, and it's still still a little bit of a windup, but it does look like it's getting getting more compact. It's getting a little more fluid, which I like to see, um, but it's elongated. So I don't know if this can be fixed at this point. I don't know. I don't think it needs to be fixed. It just needs to be. He just needs to be able to diagnose, read, get the ball out on time. Um, and with the velocity he has, you can right. You can. There's a trade off there. You can. Yeah, you can take a little longer to throw the football if you are understanding where the ball needs to be in space and throwing it into that window a little earlier. Well, I think what people saw during the season was his mechanics fall apart a little bit as far as the elongation. Uh, when he came into training camp, he had cleaned that up a lot. Yeah. But what we talked about is when the bullets start flying, you kind of you go revert. back to what you're doing. So this whole offseason, you'll finally have a full offseason of being able to work on that. And I think he'll get it to where it's it's kind of in the middle of the road. It ain't going to be as quick as everyone wants it. It ain't going to be as slow as it was, but it's going to be kind of in the middle. And then if he's able to throw with anticipation because he knows where players are going to be, you're right, with the velocity that he puts on the football, he's going to be able to get it there at you know the, the time that it needs to be there. And that's what's important. Uh, if you can start your motion a half a click early because it takes you longer and you get the ball where it needs to be, that's what's the most important. So get it on these receivers and let them produce with it. I'm not really worried about the motion <clears> right <throat> now. If it starts to fall apart again in training camp, if we get into training camp, you get into preseason and the, it starts to fall apart, then you're going to have some accuracy issues. So hopefully you can keep it all together. If you can keep it tied, you know, the, the keep legs, keep the legs with the, you know, the arms and the motion. Uh, I think he'll be just fine. Yeah, and I, here's the here's the nice thing is I haven't seen footwork issues. Um, there's been a couple of things that I've seen where it's like I don't I don't like that when he climbs the pocket. Sometimes we get himself squared to the line of scrimmage, things like that. But but other than that, it's been pretty solid with the footwork. It's a lot better uh, than when uh, whenever I would watch film of him at North Dakota State. So he has improved drastically. Let's just keep those improvements coming. Yeah, up. the other thing he doesn't get out of his framework, and what I'm saying that no. is. Most of the time, he would get too, too, his legs too far expanded. And so then when he's throwing, he can't throw with the power and velocity. It's all in the arm. Uh, he doesn't do that anymore. Keeps his feet underneath him, stays in his framework. And you see that that's gotten a lot better. So they say you fix the, the feet first, and then everything you know takes care of itself as you go up through the motion. Uh, so it's been a lot on footwork, and I'm sure some of that focus is now going to be on you know the arm and the release and all that. Uh, and so he's continuing his development. I think he's going to get better just the way Josh Allen got better. I think Trey Lance will get better as well.
It's true. And 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 here's the thing is I, I didn't see Trey Lance being an, an inaccurate thrower of the football. I, I felt there were a lot of times where he put the ball in decent spots. I saw a few, only a few erratic throws. It was more of just him at times having easy things that he missed on more than, than erratic. So yeah. I think the more time, the better for him. And I think he's going to be able to take a step up. And Gary just said it. Don't forget, hit that like button, TCC. Anyone watching this video right now, hit that like button. Uh, please, please hit that thing. Helps the algorithm, helps pump the, the content out to more people. And Laxdad just asked, can Kyle groom a rookie quarterback? He made Matt Schaub look good. He also got, you know, RG3, rookie of the year. Kirk Cousins was sitting underneath there, developing as well. Um, this is a guy who's had a lot of success. Matt Ryan, only MVP season. Kyle Shanahan's the offensive coordinator. Yeah, I think he's had, a lot of quarterbacks have had success in Kyle Shanahan's system, including Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has had a lot of success playing for Kyle. So I, I think that Kyle's going to be just fine with the rookie quarterback, and especially one with these elite traits. It, 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 this offense could be fun. If, if Trey's able to put it all together, uh, there could be a lot of big-time explosive plays for the for the 49ers and for Trey Lance. So, yeah, I, I have a lot of confidence in what Kyle can do with a rookie quarterback. Uh, agreed with you there, man. Uh, Forktail, can the O-line handle the extended motion protection-wise, uh, in your opinion? Um, I don't think the extended motion is it would be the problem. It's just Trey getting the ball out on time, right? Just Trey knowing where he needs to be going with the football and, and going there. Um, we saw that at times this year. He struggled a little bit. It's going to improve and get better through this offseason, through OTAs, through training camp. And as he starts taking reps with the first team and things of that nature, he's going to start settling in. And I think that will, I think that's going to be a problem and an issue that plagues him a little bit just because he's still a young quarterback figuring things out in the NFL, but it won't be because of his motion. Uh, the good news for the 49ers is the fact that teams are going to fear his long ball. They're going to fear him, you know, yeah. whipping the ball down the field. He's got that cannon of an arm. What do we see on film? A yeah. lot of just base cover three. Yeah, so they have to cover more grass. So because they have to cover more grass, they're not able to bring one of those safeties into the box, which they did against Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm -hmm. So it tightened some of the windows, which Jimmy's good at doing, but it tightened some of the windows and made it harder for the, for the run game. With the abilities of Trey Lance to get the ball down the field, that's going to loosen the box. With loosen the box, you create a better run game. You create a run, better run game, you create play-action opportunities. Those, in fact, give Trey Lance the ability to have time and also help your offensive line. That way they're not expected to be in straight pass drops <clears throat> and you know be able to keep everything in line and go against these great pass rushes around the league. So I think it is something that the, the 49ers are going to benefit from having Trey Lance in there, but he has to prove they can cons consistently make those throws at first, they'll give him that respect, um, and then at some point, they're going to make him prove, it, prove that he can consistently do it. And if he does, uh, this, this 49ers passing game and run game are both going to benefit from him being in there. Uh, you're right. That's going to be the case. And I saw Amber here saying, I'm guessing Baker coming to the Niners has already – it's already been, been talked about, and Baker is not going to end up in San Francisco. Niners aren't going to move off a $25 million cap hit for an $18 million cap hit. Well, it depends on what happens with Baker Mayfield if he gets cut. Um, could Kyle Shanahan, okay. yeah, could Kyle Shanahan look at Baker Mayfield and say, "I want to see what this guy's value is. I'm going to kick the tires on him as a backup quarterback this year." Interesting, potentially, because what are the 49ers trying to do? Make sure they insulate themselves with the best possibilities at quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance. What was the big thing that they said? We have to make sure that if we lose a quarterback, we have somebody that can go in there and compete and get it done. Uh, would they value him more than Nate Sudfeld? Probably. I mean, he's a better quarterback than Nate Sudfeld. Um, I am comfortable with Sudfeld winning the 49ers, a potentially winning a couple games, uh, he, but he ain't going to win a Super Bowl for you. Uh, I don't know if Baker could win a Super Bowl for you, but you would think he could at least help you get to the playoffs if something happened to Trey Lance. Uh, it does feel that way. Too. Yeah. It does feel that way. Uh, Brad says, I reckon the only high-priced player the Niners will go after if they move on from Jimmy is J.C. Treader to play right guard and take over for Mac when and if he retires. 
Um, that would make sense. That would make sense. Uh, will he be not signed by that point? I'm still shocked he hasn't signed yet. The fact he hasn't, right, makes him a potential landing spot for the 49ers. It's possible. Uh, they they could do that. And I, I guarantee that's I guarantee they've had conversations with Mac. I know he John Lynch is acting like he hasn't, but they they've had to have had some sort of conversations um and have an idea of where he's sitting. Because if not, you would think they'd want to move forward with JC Treader as their starting center. So uh, yeah, if you could bring him in and start him at guard, if you believe he's a better option than the guys you have, which I believe he is, um, it would just uh, it would just come down to money. So could you get a you know his money down, his cap hit down this year, um, and then have it jump next year when potentially Matt comes off the books if he decides to retire? Uh, that would make sense. So we'll, we'll see if they're able to make this thing happen. Uh, with him still being out there, you would think his value is slowly dropping, and the money that he's going to get could slowly come into the 49ers <clears throat> range. Uh, very well could be the case. Matthew Raleigh asked, do you think Mostert will be good with the Finns, or is he going to Breida them, man? No, I don't think so. Because the, the thing is, is Breida would have been fine with Mike McDaniel as the coach. Correct. Uh, that's, the, that's the key thing for Mostert. He's going to a similar system with a coach that knows how to use him already. He's going to have the dynamic ability. The question for Mostert is going to be, what happens when they load the box on you know, Tua Tagovailoa? Uh, because Tua is going to have to prove that he can get the ball, you know, out. The one that the, the one thing that's going to open it up for Mostert as well is Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill being able to come across them in motion uh, multiple times. The talk of him being a wide back, he's going to put a lot of pressure on uh, opposing defenses. They're going to forget about Mostert because he's not going to be the number one option there. So no. uh, watch out for the cheetah going across, and then here comes Mostert problem they're gonna have a dynamic offense they are gonna sure. have a yeah. very dynamic offense the the questions will just be you know is does Tua elevate or does Tua stay and remain what, what I, he's been I, I think he has to elevate some uh because the run game is going to be better uh, he has better weapons the, i think that's the biggest thing the question is can he throw the ball far enough that tyreek hill doesn't have to come back for it every time uh i mean i haven't seen the cannon from Tua attack in a while so what happened? But they're putting it, felt, it felt like at one point it was there, right? Yeah, I think it's just his lower half. He has to get it all together. Um, but I, I feel at some <clears> point, <throat> right, he's going to he's gonna put it all together with these guys. And if not, then... Like then the, but this is his chance. If, if not, <clears throat> they'll make a move next year and, and get a different quarterback. And more than likely, somebody like James Garoppolo is going to be available. So they don't have to make a move for him this year. They can wait until next year. Yeah, they can wait until one of the best throwers of the football on planet Earth is available. Oh, uh, well, Mike McDaniel. He's not wrong because, I mean, right, there's 32 quarterbacks that are starters in the league. Someone actually tried to argue with me on this, like, a, that I was, like, splitting hairs because we talked about this. And yeah. I was like, he's not technically wrong because we talked about it on the pod. Yeah. Tweeted out. Someone actually legitimately tried to, like, seriously, that's not what he meant. He didn't mean, like, a, no, no. That's exactly what he meant. He meant one of the best. If you're one of the best 32 at anything, you're one of the best in the world, right? Yes. That's how yeah. that works. That's how that works. He goes, so he's better than like a baseball player. And I was like, I would love to see just a baseball player come off of the street and sling the ball in an offensive system. Just, just sling it, put him back there at quarterback and let him sling. Oh, I'm sure there's plenty of guys that could throw it farther than Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm, I'm, not talking about, I'm talking about, I know what you're talking yeah, about. You're, I'm just saying like actual in an offense, <clears> throwing the football like that. He's one of the best 32. It's that simple. Uh, other than that, you know, you don't really have to say anything else. Uh, no, you yeah. really don't have to, Ant. You really don't have to. Did Moser send a one-year deal or a two as Brad? It was one. It yeah. was a one-year. Yeah, I mean, I would have I would have loved to have Moser back. I wanted Moser in this offense. I think he could have been explosive. Uh, the 49ers weren't willing to meet him at that $3 million mark. And uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. ended up being a cheaper option, even though Wilson Jr. did get a little bit of more money than he got last year. He did get a little bit more money than he got yeah. last year. And it was a little, I, I wouldn't say shocking or surprising, but um, 
interesting that they decided to go that route. You and I both thought by the way the year progressed and how the season ended, um, him not really being utilized, that it was signaling, you know, so long farewell to, to Jeff Wilson Jr. And they decided to go this route and go back. Do you think it has to do with the Niners not being able to move off of Jimmy and not being able to maybe go after some other players in, in, the, in the running back room? Or was this a guy you think they were targeting the whole time? Yeah, I think potentially it just played out the way they thought it was going to play out. I think they set a number for Mostert. He wasn't willing to come back, you know, um, for that number. Uh, and then Jeff Wilson Jr. did come back for that number. So, um, but another thing that taking consideration with Mostert's abilities, uh, how many times is he actually going to touch the ball? They have Edmonds. And now they're talking about wide back sort of stuff, you know, Tyree with, with Tyreek Hill. Um, is there going to be enough ca- carries for Moser? Or is he going to be getting five to eight carries? He's not going to be happy with that. I imagine early in the season, I, I imagine they've talked to him about this. They've had to have, right? McDaniels has to have like let him in on what the, the plan is. I bet you early in the season, it's going to be light. It's going to be very light until about, you know, week six, week seven of the season where they start to ramp it up. He's going to try and emulate something they did in 2019 with his usage. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Possible. It is possible. Uh, let's see here. Uh, if Trey starts, who do you draft first in fantasy? Ask Lacks that. Ayuk in the 10th or Debo in the 1st? Um, well, first off, regardless of who starts, if you have a chance to go grab Debo Samuel, you just grab Debo Samuel. That just makes sense. He's, he's going to touch the football in this offense. He will touch it, whether it's as a running threat or as a receiving threat. And every time he touches it, he has a chance to bust for chunk plays. And that's big points in fantasy. Uh, so Debo Samuel is just a smart pickup no matter what you do. Uh, but Brandon Ayuk, the later he gets after about round seven or eight, his value is extremely high. So consider it. I, I would I would think so. I mean, the one thing you want to take into consideration is Ray Ray McLeod, too, could take some touches potentially away uh, from some guys. But I think either one of those are good options, Debo or Brandon Ayuk in, in 10. I don't even play fantasy. Um, in fact, I would I would probably take Brandon Ayuk in 10 over Debo Samuel in one, and I don't play fantasy. Correct. Because I, I take Debo because, in. Or Debo uh, Ayuk in 10. Well, because Ayuk and Trey Lance. Um, Oh, they're working out or a something? little bit of connection there. Oh, yeah. is there is there some chemistry brewing? Maybe, yeah. Is there some there's they're out there cooking. They're out there make getting getting things all <laughs> chemistryed up and yeah. Five to eight carries a game. Wow, he might make it to game three before IRs and Matthew Rowley. Big yikes. Yeah. Big yikes. Uh, Mr. Corey said Jeff Wilson Jr. looked like trash this past season. He didn't look great. Uh, he definitely wasn't fully healed from the meniscus. No, uh, he that, came he came that, back early. That was part of the reason that I didn't believe they were gonna bring him back. I thought Maybe he wasn't going to come back this season. They felt like he lost a step, and they were going to go another another route with one of these, you know, other free agent running backs. But there hasn't been much movement in the free agent running back market. All those guys are still available. So, at some point, you would think that those running backs are going to come off the books. I wonder if it's actually going to be after the draft uh, when when teams maybe don't hit on those running backs, and then they go and and fill up on you know these these veterans, these well traveled veteran players that are available. Uh, that's very, it's very interesting. That, yeah, that's true. And T.O. believes McDaniel is going to take Tua to another level. Well, there's that. Look at that. Yeah, there's people who have a lot of faith in McDaniel's, and I don't blame him. I, I would have well, faith in how hard is it to take him to another level? I mean, he he's been at a pretty low level right now. Just force him to roll right, and it's over. I mean, that's it's basically true. what it's come down to. It's true. Uh, so yeah, McDaniel's McDaniel's though is so smart. He'll understand his limitations and then put him in situation to be successful. Um, but it's not going to take a lot to help elevate his game. Just getting the playmakers around him that he got and getting a run game that's going to make it easier in the play action department will definitely help. Uh, that That is accurate. And the run game being established there is going to help in a huge way. It's going to make that offense a little bit more dynamic. And uh, all of my Miami Dolphins fans out there can breathe a sigh of relief. Uh, you get yourself a, a very good head coach. Now it's just a matter of figuring it out. 
figuring it out. There you go. Good good organization there, and they're going in the right direction now with Mike McDaniels. Uh, in fantasy, are you a snake draft or an auction draft person? Uh, Matthew, I am more of a snake draft. I don't typically do auction drafts, although this past season, for the first time, I did have a nice uh, a nice draft or a nice league in which there was a typical snake draft, um, but then afterwards, you had a free agency budget. You're only allotted a certain amount of money for the year for free agency players, um, so you have to be very wise how you spend said money. Uh, and in one league, really bad. And in the, in the other league, fan, fantastic, phenomenal at it, Ant. Uh, so now I just have to replicate strategy two consistently uh, going forward. I'll be fine. There you go. All the fantasy. That's what Alex is here for. All that's, the fantasy. That's it. That's it. That's the only thing. Well, and, it, and it, it, was, it wasn't going to come from me. So That's accurate. You don't play <laughs> fantasy football. It's no. just not going to happen. Uh, did you guys talk about the Bobby Wagner signing already and how it'll impact the Rams defense? How are the Niners going to handle this? Asked Megan. 44, Kyle Juszczyk. That's how you handle it. Yeah, the the the, the Rams paid $50 million for an aging, aging linebacker, and the Niners said, okay, we'll see you and we'll raise you an additional three years of Kyle Juszczyk for significantly less money. I mean, it, it does significantly help their defense. I mean, he, he's going to help the, the run stoppage. They had a huge hole. They had a huge hole at the linebacker position. But there's still a major problem for them. They have a huge hole on the interior D-line. They have a huge hole on the on the exterior at the edge position. Um, so you've improved one linebacker spot, and they obviously feel really good about the other linebacker they drafted last year, the rookie they had. Um, but but that, that that's just one potentially weakness at safety because that's I mean true. I mean Weddle came in and played better than Rap. He started in the Super Bowl. It's true. Uh, they lost a corner as well. Um, so there are some holes that they need to fill. They need a new left tackle. I think that they're going to have to build still through the draft and potentially some other free agents. Uh, I think Bobby Wagner definitely helps him in the run game, but um, we'll see. I, I think he's still going to be pretty good in the pass game as well. So it's a, it's a nice signing, but I'd be more worried if it was a big-time edge rusher out on the edge than I would the all-pro linebacker uh, like Bobby Wagner. But, hey, I mean, they, they're they making moves. They consistently make moves. And they're trying to find ways to to rebuild this roster and keep themselves um, at the top. They want to yeah. keep themselves at the, at the tip top, and I, I don't blame them for that. I don't blame them at all. Tio said maybe after the draft, SF will get McKinnon. I mean, Barkley. Yeah. Mm. It's going to be, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. You, are, are you, do you think the Giants would accept a, a fourth round pick next year for Saquon Barkley? Well, they, they might trade him during the draft. I, I think a draft, I could see it during the draft. Draft day trades for players is, is pretty usual because then they, you can use that pick right away. Um, so potentially, you know, day two of the draft, you could see Saquon Barkley get moved, uh, especially if a team decides they want to go running back. Um, they draft, you know, or, or the Giants go running back. Maybe the Giants get somebody and they're like, okay, we Possibly. can move off from Saquon. Possibly. You would think Dabble would want to keep him, but maybe he doesn't want to pay him $7 million. He wants to go a different route. Mm, that could be. That could doesn't, be it. Didn't really value the run game too much in Buffalo when he was off coordinator. Yeah. No. No, well, here the, you're hearing the reports now, right, about Stephon Diggs and him not being happy about his current contract, apparently. Mm-hmm. Throwing, throwing fits again. Uh, I wonder if Dabble will go make a move and bring him in. I don't know, but he's what, not paid one of the top 20 in, in the league, right? I don't think so. It's funny how quick things change. Yeah, there was a lot of rumors about you know his brother wanting him to come and, and play uh, in Dallas. Dallas. Yeah. True. It's very, it's very true. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see what, what we got here. What we got here. Uh, oh, Laxdad, any chance McDaniel says Tua ain't it? Give me Jimmy. I don't think this year, uh, potentially maybe next year, that he could decide that maybe Tua's not the guy, but I think ownership hired him with a thought process of how he was going to use Tua Tagovailoa. 
that's the, what it feels like. It feels like they wanted someone who's going to invest and believe in Tua and, you know, want to, you know, develop this kid and, you know, make sure that the, they didn't waste a pick in the first round on this guy. And and as of right now, that's the route they're going to go and that's what they're going to stick with. Um, whether that's just a year or whether that's more, we're going to find out and we'll see what uh, McDaniels is able to do out of him. I would love it if that were the case, but unfortunately, it's a long shot, I think, at this point. Um, the profession just said, I, I want McDaniels to sign Hurd and Pettis. There you go. Good old cat, man. Yeah, good old 14 and 18. There right. you go. Can't go wrong with that. Brad said, well, I th- specifically for you, because I'm still getting caught up on Mania, Ant, uh, who do you reckon Seth Rollins' opponent is going to be at, at WrestleMania? I've heard a lot of rumors. I mean, the, the first rumor we heard was Cody, of course. Cody Rhodes making his return. Oh, the American Nightmare? Yeah, well, potentially. <laughs> Um, there, there was a lot of references from Corey Graves about that, you know, teasing that yeah. I've heard, uh, John Cena as well. Oh. Um, so, so not sure exactly, but I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a big spot, uh, as, as they look to, you know, drum up some interest in who it could potentially be. Oh, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm excited for, uh, WrestleMania this weekend and, uh, Shane, Arizona 49ers empire. I'm sorry, but I can't understand how we are always talking about cap space. And yet the gosh, darn Rams don't seem to have any worries about cap. What the heck is going on? Yeah, it, um, it, it it's it's a it's a crazy thing. I want to know. It, it seems like a lot of teams really don't have to worry about cap space. Uh, with the Rams, they have a lot of type, you know, top uh, level players that are starters, and then the depth is the big question. Yeah, if they suffer injuries, they're in a world of hurt compared to the 49ers. The 49ers do value depth and having a better overall 53 man roster. The the Rams value having a better starting lineup. Uh, so I think that a lot of times the Rams, you know, are one injury away from being potentially in a lot of a lot of trouble. But that's just a difference in philosophy of how you build a team. And just said, too, that's also why the Rams lost four players because the cap. They had to trade away Robert Woods as well to free up forget room. Yeah. And they don't have Odell Beckham. So is that is that wide receiver room actually uh, worse than it was last year? I think it is. It could be. I don't know if because I'm not 100 percent convinced that Allen Robinson is an upgrade over Robert Woods. That's first and foremost. I'll, I'll never take Allen Robinson over Robert Woods because I'm a huge Robert Woods fan. Well, you're like, a huge Robert Woods fan, but Robert Woods was very dynamic in the way they used him in that offense. I yeah. don't see Allen Robinson being used the same way. No, they're different. To me, they come off as different players. Uh, very true. Very true. Um, Richard Richard Algo said also, especially with a longer season, depth is better. It's important. Um, it is important, and it seems like the Niners have really addressed that and gone after that and really tried to focus on making sure they have depth and you know, can rotate guys and, and have multiple pieces who be able to do multiple things for your team over the longevity of a, of a 17 game season now, but 18 weeks of <clears throat> the NFL grind. So um, this, this will be interesting. Teams are going to have to start shifting philosophy at some point. You have a lot of teams that are going all in and just getting the big name guys. Um, maybe the Niners are ahead of the curve in this with a new league and more games being played and things of that nature and potentially still ant more games to be added because they could just add on regular season games and, add an additional buys, take away some preseason games and extend the season even further um, and expand the roster. If that stuff starts happening, depth may become the thing that's the most important. And maybe the Niners are starting to put to basically are, are ahead of the curve. Maybe they're just a year or two ahead of where the NFL is going. Well, it could be, we'll, we'll see. I, I do believe it's a philosophy thing. Some, some teams want to build, you know, through free agency and, and build through their starting lineup and other teams want to have really big time players on their starting lineup, but depth all across their football team. I think that's where the 49ers are. Now, as the 49ers continue to draft and develop their players, they're going to have to sign them to huge extensions. So they're slowly morphing into what the Rams are because when you start paying all these high-priced players you know, their contracts, you have less money for depth. 
Um, so as your team gets better and better, that happens. That's why you have to win in your certain windows that you're allowed. And winning in a rookie pay scale is one of those. So they got a they got a four year span right now where they need to win a Super Bowl before the money gets outrageous for some of their really good players. Very true. So here I just got this tweet from Ari Marieff. Uh Rams offseason big board in Allen Robinson, Bobby Wagner out, Von Miller, Miller, Darius Williams, Robert Woods, Andrew Witt with Austin Corbett, Corbett, Sebastian Joseph Day. Ogbo Okuronku, Johnny Hecker, still available. Odell Beckham, Sony Michelle, Deontay Dion. So they have lost a, a handful of names, and a lot of those guys played roles on that team, significant roles. Yeah, I mean, this is this is what happens, especially when you win a Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, when you when you're a part of a Super Bowl team, you're going to go out there, and, and there's going to be money for you waiting. And a lot of these players, now that they've you know achieved some of the greatness that is winning a Super Bowl championship and grab that brass ring, they're going to go out there and look for that paycheck. You can't blame them for going and cashing out. Uh, not gonna, not gonna complain at all, or or knock a guy for getting himself paid, Ant. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it's with the Jacksonville Jaguars, Arden. I can't believe you would do that. Did you hear about the overtime changes for the playoffs? That's Rich Hidalgo and Brad. Can you boys explain the new overtime rules, please? Um, did you see any of them at all? Mm-hmm. Okay, so from my understanding of how this is going to work, it's only in the playoffs. Yeah. If you go down and score a touchdown. And kick an extra point. The other opposing team essentially is going to be able to get the ball back and a chance to go down and answer. If, however, you go down and score a touchdown and convert a two-point conversion, the game's over. So if you're the first team and you go down and score and you get a two-point conversion, the game's over. Game's over. Why? Why? Well, because if you don't get the two-point conversion, then the other team has the opportunity to go down and score and kick the extra point and win. I, I'm, I, I get it, but it's, it's the same. I, uh. You right away you would think you'd put the onus on the second team to go ahead and have to complete the touchdown and the two point conversion. I would I would agree with you um, on that. I, I just why, if you're going to make this change, why only the playoffs? Why not make it this for the regular season? Testing it out. I mean, I'm surprised it wasn't a preseason thing. Uh, but they don't play overtime in the preseason. That's why they couldn't do it. So they're doing it in the playoffs. I don't really have a problem with it. It gives both teams an opportunity, even if there's a touchdown involved. Uh, this would have changed potentially the outcome of the Super Bowl where New England beat Atlanta. True. Atlanta would have had a chance to go down the, the field and score an answer. Uh, so, yeah, I think that this is something interesting. I mean, why not? I'm not really one of those ones that freaks out about rules uh, unless it fundamentally changes the game, and to me, this doesn't. Um, so no, it just makes teams earn it. Yeah, it makes teams earn it, so that's fine. Give both teams the potential to, to have the ball. I, I also get the arguments of, of people that say, well, the defense should have stopped them. Uh, you, you don't want to lose a game, don't let them score a touchdown. I get that, um, but... I've always been kind of more drawn to the college football way of playoffs. So this is getting a little bit closer to that. So I'm okay. I, I would much prefer the, the college overtime rules for the, for the NFL. Um, you know, talk about being able to put an emphasis on both sides, right? You, you know, you want to have a lot of scoring opportunities and scoring potential. Put teams at the thirty and let them. Drive I would put them at the score. fifty. You put them in midfield. Yeah, with the way that the teams can kick field goals in the NFL, that's true. And they can score. I that's think... right. I always forget with with college too. That's part of the reason it's the thirty is because you have they still have the potential of making a long kick right at the college level. Uh, I'm sure Josh Allen is happy about it. There's probably a lot of players who are happy about it. In all honesty, who've come close and come up just short and not had a chance to go out and try and answer and respond. Um, I am one of those guys who tends to believe Ant, your defense needs to be able to step up and get it done. Um, but look, I, I don't think this prevents prevents that from being the case. Um, all this does now is put the put the onus on both people. And Matthew Rowley here, unpopular opinion, it should either be sudden death or another full quarter. If a team scores on the last drive of the fourth quarter, the other team doesn't get a, another chance. 
Yeah, I, I think I, I get what Matt's saying. Um, when you when you're talking about a full quarter, you're, you're talking about player health, and and they're trying to they're trying to keep these guys healthy. Yep. Um, so the players union will never go for playing another full quarter. That's not what they want. They want these games to be able to come to a conclusion. That's why overtime is also ten minutes. Yep. Um, they've even limited the amount of time because as the number of games go up, the number of times you want these players taking snaps, uh, you want it down. You don't want it to keep going up with overtime games. So. Um, I, I think this is just a, more of a player safety sort of thing, and I don't think the players' union will ever let it get to a a full quarter like that. No, it doesn't. It doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel that way. But at maybe all. They, maybe sudden death they could go back to that at some time at, at some point. I, I mean, I I I liked the sudden death format. I under like I I can wrap my head around it. It makes sense in terms of you know you've played four quarters at this point. It comes down to who can execute the best on either side of the ball. I understand that there's an advantage to getting the ball first in overtime. I, I get that. I I, tr- I truly do get that. And I don't hate this idea of giving the other team a chance, but then then let's shorten this up, right? Let's not kick the ball off. Let's not do all of this. Let's put the team in a place. Let's have them drive, you know, put them at midfield, like you said. Let's have them drive towards the end zone. Um, that shortens the field. It shortens the, the game opportunities. Um and, and it makes it tougher, it makes it tougher for teams to get going. The only problem yeah. is, is that you do have those times in college, right? Where you get like eight overtimes. Yeah, I, I would like to see uh, one rule I'd like to see change is the onside kick. I think they should just go away from the onside kick and allow a team the opportunity to go for it with like a, a fourth and 15 uh, from their own 20, something like that. Uh, I think it's something that I'm interested in. That was something they did in uh, the XFL before the XFL, yeah, they, okay. they they had that rule. Is it the XFL or AAF? I can't remember for sure. One of the, I think it might have been the AAF. Yeah, I, I kind of like that. So I, I I would be I would be down with that. Where because the onside kick is just so hard to get now. I, I think it kind of takes some of the fun out of it because it's like a foregone conclusion that the you know that you're not going to get the uh, onside kick. Donald Johnson just said, "I'm wondering if the new rule will cause more injuries." Um, that I may mean, be why they're testing it. I mean, potentially. I mean, now. I mean, no, I. You know what? Take that back. I can't say potentially it does because both teams were going to get the chance to have the ball usually anyways, right? Because if it was a field goal, the other team had the opportunity to win. 49ers do that against Cincinnati. Cincinnati went down and kicked the field goal. Niners went down and scored a touchdown to win the game. So it happens a lot now where both teams get the football. The only difference is now you're trying to decide um, who wins by a two-point conversion or not. True. Luke, good to see you, my guy. Always good to see you, man. A cutback crew. Start getting in some last-minute questions here. We'll start to wrap this thing up. Uh, but, Ant, you know what the cutback crew is not going to want to miss coming mm. up this Monday? Do you know what it is, Ant? Oh, I know you know what it is, Ant, because it's fan-controlled mock draft time this Monday. There you go. That's right. You, cutback crew, you are going to be controlling the mock draft, and there's going to be polls that start going up tomorrow on Friday that are going to let you vote and preset some of the decisions that get made. Are we picking at 61? Are we trading up? Are we trading back? And then also just getting some names of people that you want targeted, that you for sure want to draft at certain spots. So if the Niners are at that spot, they could potentially grab this here gentleman or this here person. And we're going to just go with that right away because you've already pre-voted on it. So make sure you're subscribed. If you haven't already hit that notification bell as well, my goodness gracious, because you don't want to miss Monday, 5 p.m. Pacific time, right here on the 49ers Cutback Ant. Fan controlled mock draft 1.0. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see who the fans want to select. Um, this was a lot of fun last year. We really enjoyed the fan controlled mock draft. Uh, lots of great conversations that came out of that. As you know, we got to see where the fans thought the weaknesses of the 49ers were. 
And so I'm looking forward to seeing where they think it's going to, ha- how it's going to roll this, this year and which players are going to be available for the fans to pick. And if they have a really tough decision, what do they do? You know, if they have the big time edge rusher and Christian Watson or John Mechie, what do they decide to do at 61? Ooh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's been interesting. And Luke, Luke, I've been listening and tattooing guys. So couldn't comment. No worries, man. Good to hear from you now. And uh, hopefully you keep five o'clock Monday open Luke so that you can participate in the fan control mock draft and you there guys you get to make the decisions we're just uh we're just we're just the ship right yeah. you guys are steering it and we're, we're just going whichever way you want us to go it's yeah be a and, lot of fun. And, and just for mr Corey, this is the xfl oh yeah yeah oh yeah that's that, nice wow that, that was that was really rolling for like two weeks it was yeah and then it was just dead in the water yeah disappointing too because it was actually entertaining at first i i think i watched like the first three weeks and then i i kind of just started uh once good old JR and Jerry King all are recalling games, I'm like, oh, come, come on. on now. We're done now. Come no, on. We're now. done. Yeah, we're done. You're, you're talking about the first iteration, right? You're talking about the first iteration of the X-Men? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. I went to a game. I think I went yeah. to like one of the first I'm ones. talking about the first section. That's what he's talking about. Yeah, the first, first, ed- yeah. first iteration was, yeah. was something. It was something. Second iteration was better, though. That's for sure. Definitely better. Well, I mean, better until it got shut down, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, Matthew here said, did, did you know. That when the overtime rule was sudden death, only thirty-seven percent of the teams uh, were ended. Thirty percent, thirty-seven percent of the games were ended on the first drive. Struggling to read there, Ant. Um, I did not know that. I didn't know that thirty-seven percent ended on the first drive. Solid stat. That is. Yeah, That's I, a fantastic I, stat. I wasn't. A, I wasn't really like all the way against sudden death, um, but I always thought it was more entertaining when both teams had an opportunity. So I am a a equal opportunity kind of football overtime guy. So oh, there you go. Yeah, Mister Corey, he hate me. There you go. Good old he. What was his name? Rod. Rod. Uh, oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He hate me. He ended up playing in the NFL for a little bit. He did. He played in the NFL for just a little yeah. bit. Uh, Shane, Arizona 49ers Empire. I love the podcast, guys. Thanks. Thank you for being here, man. Thanks for participating yeah, in the QA. Thanks a lot. We it, was a, it. it was a lot of fun today. It was a lot of fun. And we, we enjoyed ourselves. We had a blast with this. Um, and you know what? We got tons of great stuff coming your way. Tons of great things that you're not going to want to miss. New shows coming as well. Um, we get the first ever fan controlled, well, first ever 2022 season, a fan controlled mock draft um, for you guys coming Monday. And uh, of course, Ant, the cutback draft watch party, That's April right. 29th at Back Alley Brew in Galt. I mean, talk about tons of, of growth and new things coming for the cutback crew to enjoy and, and participate in. Um, so much, so much happening. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of cool stuff, and the draft party is going to be absolutely fun. So if you are anywhere here in Northern California and have an opportunity to come to Galt on April 29th, please do so. It's going to be fun. We're going to be out there. There's going to be a lot of the cutback crew there as well. Um, And we're just going to have a good time. There's going to be tacos and lumpia, and uh, they have, you know, over 20 beers on tap. So get out there. Check it out. Back Alley Brewery is a nice, nice, cool location. I I think it's just going to be a lot of fun, and people are going to enjoy it. And Free entry, so you don't need to worry about yeah. paying to get oh, in. Oh, there we go. Rod none Smart, of, thank you. None of that. Thank you, Mr. Corey. Rod Smart. Thank there you, Matthew go. Raleigh, both of them. Both of you guys just knocked it out of the park yeah. there. It was Rod Smart. Um, but no, free entry. We're going to have some, some different things going on, some raffles, some beer pong tournaments, some fun stuff happening. Yeah. You're not going to want to miss it, so make sure you can get there if you can, and then get everything ready to go Monday. GMs, TCC out there, all you general managers, get your draft board ready. Get get your guys ready. Get Get your plan in place. Because Monday, you're going to dictate and control what happens here on the 49ers Cutback with the fan control mock draft. I'm excited for it. Excited for everything coming else. Uh, everything else coming down the pipeline as well for the TCC. And uh, you know what? Ant, it's about that time. Yeah, it is. And uh, we'd like to thank everyone for being in the chat. It is great. And no, Mr. Corey, we're not going to have women doing 
Come no, on. No, come no. on now. Come on, son. Come on. Well, come let's on. talk another one up. Catch you later, TCC. See ya. See you around the bend. Probably tomorrow. I mean, there's a, there's a good chance.